Well, happy Sabbath, everyone. I thought Daryl could just keep on going. I'd have given him my notes. He could have probably gone quite a bit farther. Have you ever uh, had the opportunity to go to a great big banquet someplace? You know, they spread out all this food and things. I can remember back many years ago, we uh, on a cruise and uh, went to a midnight banquet they had, and they had all this food, you know, set up just beautiful. And everything there, well, of the clean things were really good. <laughs> but you ever notice that you go to a banquet like that, and the food is good, and you're just enjoying everything, but you eat one thing, maybe a bite or two, that wasn't good, that was something wrong with it, and what happens? You really get sick. And if it's really bad, you really get sick. And I'm one that don't like to be sick, and I know we've, we've been that way, but that happens a number of times. Just one little thing. Everything's great, but one little thing, one small part, maybe it was kept out too long, maybe had a little bit of salmonella in it, and you got sick. When I look at this world and I see this country and the world, and I see the whole world is sick, isn't it? Why? Well, physically speaking, most of our problems come from what? The wrong diet. We eat the wrong foods, don't we? Too much sugar. I, I, I know with my kids, I raised them and they all had great teeth and a good health until they got into high school where they could get candy bars. <laughs> and then it went downhill. But, but isn't it that way? We're supposed to be the most healthy nation, and we can tell, can't we? We have the most hospitals. <laughs> We've got to be the most healthy country. You know? But it is that way. It is what we eat makes who we are, makes you what you are. Look at the tribes of... Africa and South America, Ethiopia, um, how about watching the little ad in there about save the children and they bring out these little children with distended stomachs and um, flies around their face and they're out in the uh, dumps trying to find food to eat. And what about their life? Are they healthy? No. Those people maybe can make a maximum of 30 to 35 years of life. It's all because of what they eat, the way they live. You see some of the people that have poor diets, they look like they're 60 and 70 years old, and they might be 40 because of the life and what they, the way they live. I've got a brother in Florida whose current wife's child, son, is on drugs, bad case of drugs. They had a baby. The baby is basically considered blind. Its, it's eyesight is 800 over 800. It can only see with glasses on. It has now two years old, started to talk, and now is getting some convulsions. Why? Because the parents feed the baby the wrong thing. It's the way we eat, the way we do with our life. 
Our cities are sick, aren't they? How many of us like to live in the big cities? Most of us, we left the big cities. I told my one daughter, I said, she's coming out to visit us, I said, you know, it's so enjoyable to be out here in Anatoff, and, you know, we get out there in the evenings and we can walk and our children play in the streets and we can uh, don't have to fight off the bugs and we don't have to fight off, worry about people hijacking us or shooting us or whatever goes on in the big cities. So there's two things I'm going to talk here about. First, just touching on physical food, the way you eat, the way you sleep, the way you act, is the way you are. That's the way you are. And the other side is spiritually. The way you eat, the way you sleep, what you do, that's the way you are too. It's interesting, back in the Garden of Eden, God said to Adam and Eve, here's a beautiful garden I put you in. Everything here is yours, except one tree. Now, had they spent that time and let God feed them, not only physically, which they would maintain great big physical health, but let God feed them spiritually, God said, you'll live. You'll have a long life. But isn't it human nature? Somebody comes along and says, hey, I know a better thing. You know, look at that tree there. Just think, if you were to eat of that tree, you'd be like God. You'd be equal to God. Oh, I will? You mean God's holding something back? And that's human nature, doesn't it? It happens today. We, we hear something and somebody comes along and says, ah, you know, maybe you're not hearing everything right. So we always want to go to the, to the uh, things we don't know. We would rather try this and reject God. You know, and says, God says, my way is a small, narrow path. God's, uh, just what God says, man, Satan says, my way is beautiful. Look how broad it is. The problem is the food that God feeds us gives us life. The food Satan offers us is good. Remember he said to Eve, Eve looked there and said, man, that tree looks great. That food looks tremendous. Hey, it smells good. It even tastes good. Except, they had a little bit of arsenic in it or whatever. And they died. And that's what happens. That banquet, you eat a little bit of the wrong food and you die. It's interesting, Isaiah chapter 7, to carry that point on, that God wanted to teach the right thing. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 14 and 15 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give, us, give you a sign. So he said, oh, through a prophet, said, I want to give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So this is a sign I'm going to show you. And notice says, Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse evil 
and choose good. So he wanted to teach Adam and Eve to know good. He wanted to feed Adam and Eve so they would know what was right. So then when evil comes along, hey, well, you know yourself. Most of you have been in church for many, many years. You've learned about clean and unclean foods. You know now that if, if it's a piece of pork, it's not clean because God said it wasn't clean. So you know to refuse it. I mean, you don't take it. You know you're not going to take shrimp or scallops or whatever, rabbit. And we have a lot of rabbits. You know what I said this morning? Boy, it's too bad rabbits aren't clean. There's so many of them running around and we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't be lack for any food to eat, would we? <laughs> but no. We know that that's not clean. So we've been eating from God's table and we know to choose the right things. We know the fact that when God talked to, to Adam, I mean to Noah, he said, choose what? Choose seven clean animals, seven pairs and only two pair of the unclean. So now, Noah looked out there and said, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. So now he's learned how to know good from bad. And that's the whole thing. It was clean from unclean. God's word from Satan's word. So here God said when, when Christ would come, or he himself, his speaking through the prophet, would come, he would eat butter and honey so he would know what to choose and what not to choose. He would know that. How about you and me? Do we know what diet to eat? Today, we live in a Babylonian society. Do we know what to eat? What is our job? What's our purpose today? Can we eat from the table of God which is healthy beautiful long life and on the side take a little bit of what Satan has to offer can you do that was that I forget the place it is but it's where this, um, the prophet asked the, the priests can you take a good thing, add some bad? Will the good make the bad good? No. But can you take the bad and put it with the good? Will it make the bad or the good bad? Yes. If you put a little bit of the wrong food in the wrong place, it's going to destroy everything that's good. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Verse 11. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lusts. You know, the grace of God teaches us to deny those things that are harmful to us. Harmful to our way if we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. Denying the ungodly and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. So 
God's way teaches us to reject the things that are not right. Do we do that? Because it says if we learn that, we learn to reject those things, the lusts of this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of our appetite and pride, those things lead to death. So if we live God's way in teaching us to deny those things, then we can live in this present world. Looking for what? The blessed hope. The world doesn't really have the same hope we have, do they? And somebody tell me that I don't know the government of God. Do you know the government of God? The Father, Christ the husband, the bride, and the children. And it's taught throughout the Bible. If you don't understand that the Father will always be the Father, Christ will be the husband, and the family relationship. And that's a godly plane. But you know that because you read through the scriptures. They tell you those things. And you can then reject some of these other things. The hierarchy of... Uh, I had a confrontation with a minister one time and said, your job is to teach me how to go to the Father, how to repent, how to change, how to go directly to Christ, how to go directly to the Father. But not I don't have to go through you. You know, you have a responsibility to teach me and help me when I make mistakes. And that's our pastor here. It's his job. He has a requirement to guide our steps into learning to eat butter and honey. That's an important thing. Because once we learn to eat butter and honey, we're not going to want to eat white sugar and white flour, are we? But they taste so good, don't they? Except that when you really get down to it, white sugar is sweet. That's it. It has no real flavor other than being sweet. Honey has, there's hundreds of flavors. And they're sweet, but they have a flavor to them too. So our pastor's job is to say, hey, this is the way walk in it. This is where the butter, the honey, this is the good life. This other way, once you learn the good way, you won't want to go this other way. You won't want to go to Satan and say, hey, you think I'm going wrong? No, you won't want to do that. But we are looking forward to a blessed hope. A hope of what? The bride of Christ? A hope to be in the very headquarters of the family of God, Father, Christ, the husband, and the bride, the wife, the father and and the uh, husband and the and the, the bride working together. The father or, or the husband and the wife who teach the children. Once you know those things, you won't want to go out the other way. You just won't do that. We're, our hope is for that. The glorious and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So that's what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to an opportunity to see the Father. Because we know that if we see the Father, we will be like He is. So it depends now on what we eat, doesn't it? If you eat junk, you had a junk life. If you eat tons of white sugar and you eat all the fats and all the stuff that you're not supposed to put in your body, well, you have heart disease, lung disease, uh, diabetes. Uh, I don't know, there's so many other things out there. So, 
things that you, you really surprised of cancer it's because we don't as a country as a nation as a world we eat wrong we just have the wrong diet Hebrews chapter 12 Hebrews chapter 12 what are we supposed to be doing looking diligently verse 15 lest any man fall of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness clinging up bringing up trouble unto us you know a root of bitterness oh somebody got something that I didn't get he was ordained a deacon an elder he's got a job of taking care of all the church equipment well he's got a better job than I got makes more money than I got we have to be careful that a root of bitterness doesn't spring up and trouble us because if we let those things harbor that's the diet you're eating a diet of they're better than me or the diet I'm just as good as they are why can't I have it and it harbors and you fester and it's just like a boil and you keep building and before you know it you're bitter and you find yourself on the outside and find yourself defiled verse 16 lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau you know, God brings it up here. Esau was a profane person who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He didn't look at how great a thing was offered being the firstborn. He knew what the firstborn ought to get. But it, to him, it didn't mean anything. All he wanted was something physical at that moment in time that would puff him up and make him feel great. So he gave up a lot for very little. And it's easy to do that, isn't it? It's easy to get up and walk away. Like Darrell pointed out, many people that we knew walked away, went back to the world, went back to the wrong diet. Esau did it. Verse 17, for you know how the Afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, when it was time for that blessing to come, he was rejected because he ate the wrong food. He didn't put enough emphasis on the butter and the honey part to know to refuse the evil. He'd rather been in the world. That's what he wanted. And he found no place for repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. It was too late. If we pass up an opportunity today, you know, what's offered to you? Not only the bride, but a crown. You know what it says in Revelation? You can give up your crown. What happens when you gave up that crown? It's gone. And you could seek it with tears. You could cry all you want. But once you've given that crown up, and it's given to somebody else. There's only 144,000 of them. You want to ask God to kick somebody else out and replace you? That's hard to do. So Esau sold an important thing. To him, it wasn't important at the time. How about for me? How about for you? How important is what's offered to you today? How important is it? 
What are you willing to give up or not give up for this? I told my wife one day, I, I look out there, I, I have a feeling like Moses stood on a mountain, God gave him the commandments, he came down, people were having an orgy down there, and God said, stand back, I'm going to wipe these people out. Now start all over with you. And what did Moses say? He said, Father, I'll give up everything. I mean everything. My eternal life if you spare those people. See, Moses was willing to give up everything. Paul said the same thing. Ready to give up everything. Esau didn't give up everything, did he? Now he's more satisfied on his physical side. But we have a responsibility to change, to eat the right food. But what happens when the wrong food comes along? How do you know? How do you know that's the wrong food? First Thessalonians 5.21 tells you to go out and prove what's right. Is it here? Is it provable? You've heard that from the lectern here time and time again. If it's here, if it's provable by what's in this word, then it's the right food to eat, isn't it? But isn't it interesting that sometimes people can twist the word of God? That happens. It happened in worldwide. It happens today. People might say, I've got this new idea. <laughs> well, but there's no food to back it up, is there? Notice Jude, verse 3 and 4. Jude 3 and 4. Because this is nothing new. This isn't something that happens like the wrong diet. It came back in the Garden of Eden, didn't it? Satan came by. Eve didn't check where the source came from, did she? You know, she let a snake talk to her. Of course, we would say, ha! I'd never let a snake talk to me. <laughs> or would we? Maybe it's in a different appearance. Maybe it's not a snake. Maybe it's something else. Jude chapter, Jude verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly, and he put a lot of effort into this after the sign, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Find out what was the original thing. Oh, I've got a new idea. Is that right? Is it originally? Is this what came down the line? Yes, God is allowed us to understand certain things and as time progresses like we heard the sermonette that God expects us to grow he don't expect us to sit stagnant I remember Mr. Armstrong for years said you got a stream flowing into a pond and it stops the pond turns green because it's stagnant but if the water flows through it it's flowing through it and it stays clear so God expects us to continue to grow. And here, Jude said you must really put forth a lot of effort to find out exactly what was delivered to the saints. 
faith which was uh, earnestly contended with faith which was once delivered to the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Here he is, 2,000 years ago, Judas saying, people are creeping in unawares to you. You don't look at it because maybe you went to sleep. Maybe you're just not studying like you ought to. Maybe you're not eating the right food on a daily basis. Or not. He said, certain people crept in unawares who were before ordained to this condemnation. They were sent there for that purpose. Ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord, of our God into license and to deny the only Lord and the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. See, he's saying, look out. Yes, it happened 2,000 years ago. It happened before that in his lifetime. It's happened from the time forward. It happens even today that there are those that will creep in unawares well why would they be unaware because you're not spending the time eating the right food you're not letting the right message get into your mind God wants you to be a part of what he's doing Matthew 7 Matthew 7 15 through 20 here Christ speaking he said beware of false prophets you know it wasn't that many years ago. I knew a man that I felt was really being led by God's Word. He was studying. He was doing things right. Somewhere he slipped up. He wasn't aware of a false prophet that came to him. The man's dead. Maybe because he was leading too many people the wrong direction. I don't know. But, no doubt, there was a false prophet, which came come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like you. They talk like you. They walk like you do. But, like Christ said to the scribes and Pharisees, they've made the outside of that cup look fantastic. Well, these are sheep. At least they look like sheep. They smell like sheep. But inwardly, they're rotten. It says, inwardly, they're ravaging wolves. They're looking for a way to eat you up. They've got a purpose to bring you aside. Maybe not because they currently think that, but it's by the one, the enemy, that sends them out. You shall know them by their fruits. So now you've got to assess Look at their fruit. Are they eating up the wrong people? What do they do with their life on a daily basis? Do they talk like you, look like you, but their fruit is totally different? And we know what the fruit is. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you know. Those are the fruits. Galatians 5. So he says... You can tell whether these are God's true ministers. So we're talking about spiritual food, spiritual feeding here. Can you tell whether they are? Well, what is the fruit? 
Do men gather grapes of thorns? We ask the question. Can you go out there and go to a thorn bush and gather grapes? I've never found that to be true. Or figs from thistles? No, you don't do that. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit. The fruit that you want to eat is good fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth... uh, I'm sorry, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So if the fruit's corrupt, no, it's not a good tree. No, they can preach things that sound great. But they also can preach a little bit, a little morsel here or there of poison, can they? It doesn't take a lot to cause you to be sick. And if you eat enough of it, you die. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and is cast into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So you have to look at what they are producing. The fruit, the way they live their life, and what they're teaching. Is it scriptural? In Psalm 56, verse 5 says, David speaking about the way people treated him, but related even to today, that every day they wrestle my words. And that's what happens with God's word. You'll find people that twist, wrestle, change just a little bit. Just a little bit. don't have to be much. But is it what the Bible says? They wrestle his words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. Christ speaking through David. These words in Psalms are actually the words of Christ spoken through David. And God related those things. So much of the Psalms tell us the way Christ thought. So people wrestle God's words. Isn't that what Satan did? He twisted just a little bit. Just a little bit. Did God say that you would die? I mean, that's a twist, just a little bit. Yes, God said, I will die. But did he? You know, question it. Just a little bit of a twist. And what did he do? Adam and Eve did not live a thousand years. Yet they could have made 7,000 years, couldn't they? But he said, the day that you eat, you'll die. Prophetical day, thousand years. They made not one day. And they died. Just a little twist. So that's why he says to us that we need to examine that tree. What's the fruit? Is the fruit producing fruit? Is it producing edible fruit? Is it producing... In this case, repentance, righteousness, or are there just enough twists that it seems great and fantastic, but the end result is death. So you have to be careful. Second Peter two verse one. Second Peter two verse one. Again, Peter like Jude was aware of what was going on around him. Peter said, but there were false prophets also among the people. 
Back in the when the days of the prophets, there were false prophets. Micah went to King uh, Ahab. Well, first of all, Ahab called his prophets, who said, "Go on out the battle. God's going to give you the battle." Micah came in there and they told him ahead of time, you better say he's going to win the battle. <laughs> See, they were false prophets. And Ahab said, well, tell me the truth now. Don't tell me something I don't want that just make me happy. But tell me the truth. He said, go out the battle and you're going to die. <laughs> that's, that's the fact. But the false prophet said no. So they put Micah in prison because he told the truth. So there were false prophets back in that day, wasn't there? And here Peter says, but there were false prophets among the people, like the Israelites, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Oh, we're told to look at the fruit again. What are they teaching? There's going to be false teachers. He said there is going to be false teachers. Guaranteed, there are false teachers out here today. It's guaranteed who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. We were witness to that, the majority of us here. Witness heresies being brought into the very congregation of God. And it's split apart into hundreds of little factions now, daughters. Heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them and bringing upon themselves swift destruction. It's happened. Swift destructions come. Why can't we see those things? Because we're human? <laughs> because we would rather go that broad path. It's so easy to go that way, isn't it? It's so hard to walk God's way. It's only hard because we make it hard. Because we've not learned to know right and good from evil. We want to learn the good and the bad and the ugly first. <laughs> and then we might try to learn the good stuff. We want to learn all the bad stuff, you know, all the secret faults and all those things that come along because that's who we are. We're human beings. Verse 20. For after, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of, this, of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So here... You've escaped that. We live in a little community here that is fantastic. We have a tremendous place to live. Freedoms that other people don't have. Our children play in the streets. We walk and visit, help each other, serve each other, love each other. We've escaped the pollutions of this world. So if you've escaped the pollution of this world through the knowledge of Christ, they again entangle themselves and overcome the latter end is worse than the beginning. So if you go out there and you start eating a little bit of the wrong food, spiritually, physically, and you start deteriorating. And it's like a snowball going down a big hill. Starts out not very much. Who cares? Just a little bit. I mean, I could do. You know, it's just a little bit. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I can do. I can make out all these things. It's not a big deal. But then 
a week goes by and you take a little more. Maybe you, maybe you only pray twice this week. Uh, and maybe next week you only pray once. And maybe you do that for a month or so, and before you know it, you're maybe praying once a week or once every other week, and maybe you read your Bible for 30 minutes or 15 minutes or 10 minutes, or maybe you don't even read it sometimes. Just, I get all I need to do from Sabbath services. I can let the preacher preach to me, and I get all I need, enough to handle me for the whole week. I remember going to Feast of Tabernacles, and we were saying, well, we got this big dirt from... Feast of Tabernacles till Passover. We have a tendency to begin to slip back. We're all excited at the feast, aren't we? Well, we're gung-ho. We're going to do it as much as we can. We're we're just going to be so balled up. Come December, we've slowed down some. (laughs) By January, we're almost asleep. And... Because God's love and mercy, he gives us the Passover. <laughs> he brings us back to life again. But that's human nature. But he says, Peter's saying that if you've already tasted of this good life and eaten the butter and the honey and learned that everything I did before was rotten and filthy and horrible, I don't want to be there. But then I get laxed and I slip back a little bit here and there and finally you find yourself well you're down that trail for Satan (laughs) or for a worldly thing because hey it's a great world you go out to eat it's hard to get good food outside of God's way of life you go into the south guarantee you you can't eat any vegetables because they're going to have pork in them. That's the way they cook. Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, especially North Florida. You can't eat the stuff. You can't even eat uh, potato soup because they put ham in it. So it is pretty. Oh, okay, I taste a little bit, but, you know, that's just a little. It won't kill me. Now, physically, it probably won't kill you. Spiritually it will, because you know clean and unclean. And if you're willing to compromise your life on a little bit of unclean food, then you're willing to compromise on spiritual unclean things. That's a problem, because that is you're now dealing with your eternal life. Not physical life, eternal life. So he said, if you slip and you see, hey, I did all right. I can eat a pork chop now. And I did okay. I can drink 15 cups of coffee or five pots of coffee in a day and I'll be okay. I can drink Cokes, Texas, Mountain Dews. I can do that all the time. Don't bother me a bit. I can eat my candy bars, you know. It won't hurt me. Of course, I might lose all my teeth. I might come up with diabetes. I might have a heart attack. I might even come up with cancer. <laughs> but that's only my physical life anyway. I'm going to stay with God. No, 
if you're compromising in your physical side of your life, you're going to compromise spiritually. That's just the way we, that people live. He says, if you entangle, you go back into the world, back into Babylon, it's worse than it was before. For if it had been better for them, it, or, or it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, because at least you would be brought back in the second resurrection and given an opportunity to know the right ways. When Satan will not be around, when you won't have all this polluted airways, polluted water, polluted food, polluted dress, uh, anything, you know, we do everything. We do it. We just try to go as far away from God as we possibly can. We pollute our food through all kinds of crazy things that they do. You know, taking uh, stuff from rats and, and embedding it into grains of corn or wheat. You know, it's, this is crazy things that they do. And they're only killing themselves. But he said it'd be better if you'd not known the right way of life. It would have been a whole lot better because at least you have an opportunity in the second resurrection to learn the right way of life. When the books are open, here, 66 books are open that show you the right way to live. And you are judged then out of those books if you live those ways the right way. Then after that you have known it, so if you've known it, and then you turn around and you start eating the wrong food to turn from the holy commandments delivered unto them, but it had it is happened unto them according to the proverb, dog who turns to his vomit. If you're not well grounded, if you're not and have not spent the time to eat the butter, the Bible. God's word, the honey, the sweetness that comes from God, then you, you won't know that those things, pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, you won't know that's wrong. You think, hey, I'm entitled to everything I can get my hands on. That's lust of the flesh. Everything. Everything I can see. We have this appetite to see everything we can, to know everything we can. And God says, the only thing you really need to know is right here. That's what you need to know. So, if we turn around, if we go the wrong direction, what then? We're going to wind ourselves not in the second resurrection, not in the first resurrection, but the third resurrection, you're brought up, you're done away with. And come ashes underneath the feet of those that have said, I am going God's way. I am going to serve God all the way. Matthew 13. Verse 18. Of course, you're in, verse, in chapter 13 talking about the parable of the sower, I believe. Hear you, therefore, the parable of the sower. 
when anyone hears the word. Now, he gave the physical parable to the people. They didn't understand. Throwing seed out and some landing beside the road, you know, and birds come along and, and eat it up, and then some falling on a rock, and you know, and tries to grow and can't because there's no soil, and some that landed in the weeds and they choked it out, and then some landed on good plowed fertile ground, and they really produce fruit. So here he goes here in verse 18. He says, Here you therefore the sower, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not. So God understood. Sent Mr. Armstrong out there. He preached a calling work. It went to millions and millions of people. We had millions of plain truths. Hundreds of radio stations, millions of people listening. But as it says here, the word of the kingdom, it went out. When I heard the word and dispatched it and understood it not, then came the wicked one snatched away that which was sown in their hearts. This is he which uh, receives seed by the wayside. So, Christ said, millions of these people will hear the word of God, but Satan is out there, and he gives them the wrong food. He twists it, you know, just a little bit of a twist, and these people just walked away. They, they didn't... didn't didn't do anything with it. Satan took away what little bit they had. But he that receives the seed unto stony places, the same is he that hears the word in Iran with joy receives it. So here's somebody that says, man, that's great. I remember back in 19, probably 45, 46, 47, right in there, we sat in my father's living room and we heard Mr. Armstrong speak. My father was probably like the first person here. He heard it and gone just that quick. Never had a chance to grow. There were others that heard it that said, man, that's great. I'm going to do something about that. But they didn't have any substance around them, so they withered and died, didn't they? Yet, has he not roots in himself but uh, but uh, does for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he's offended. So you're challenged. You're going to keep the what? The, the Saturday? I mean, if you're going to keep Saturday, you might as well find you another job. Well, or your family walks away and leaves. Well, wait a minute. I, I like my job. And I, I like to do what I do. And, and so... A lot of people were that way. I saw that happen myself in the 60s. saw people start to grow, but when they were challenged to lose a good-paying job that would have given them prosperity, they walked away because they didn't take the time to plant their feet in the right spot. He... Uh, Verse 22, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world. Uh, 
Oh, he loved this world. Uh, how about us? Do we really love the world? Because, see, we're down to a point right now it's talking about you and me. We received the Word of God. He's feeding us butter and honey. But the world's out here, and it looks so fantastic. Do I like my house, my family, my job, uh, my position, all these things I've got, all these amenities, more than Christ? Isn't that what Christ said? He that loves all these things more than me isn't worthy of Christ. What do you eat? What's the food? Is that the type of diet that you want to have in your life? He says those that receive that in the thorns, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness and riches chokes the word and he be becomes what? Unfruitful. You know, we look at the teacher. You're supposed to know the teacher by the fruit they produce. If they're not producing fruit, maybe you need another teacher. <laughs> if you're not growing spiritually, then you need to go someplace and find somebody that will teach you so that you can grow spiritually because it says here, if you're not producing fruit, you're going to be burned in the fire. He also that receives seed among the thorn and choked up is unfruitful. But he that receives seed unto good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, which also bears fruit. Well, you can only bear fruit if you've got your feet planted in the right pasture or the right plowed field and it's fertilized and dunged like it that's going to bring the right fruit to your life. Remember the parable of the, the farmer went out to pick fruit off his tree and there wasn't any. He said, chop it down. And the husband said, well, wait a minute. Give me one more year. One more try at this and see if it'll produce fruit. If it doesn't produce fruit, pitch it. Well, I don't want to be pitched. I don't think you want to be pitched either, do you? You want to be thrown in a lake of fire. That's not what we want to do. So what are we eating? What's the food that we eat? God says that there are teachers that twist God's Word. So they have you in a field out here that's maybe dunged with salt. You ever see what happens to crops that you have in this beautiful field and you throw salt out around it? It doesn't grow. In fact, it dies. It'll die. I delivered salt and I worked on water softeners for years. Where the output of that water softener goes, it's real salty water. Nothing can grow. Nothing. It literally kills it. So, here in this parable of the sower, we want to be in what field? 
a field that's well managed, a field that's well done, a field that has the right nourishment that we can grow by. If we're going to be a tree producing fruit, we have to have water, and spiritual food, spiritual water to grow. We just want to be that way. That's what we need to be. Psalms chapter 92, verse 13. Here he's speaking of where you want to be planted. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. If we're planted in the right house, we're going to flourish. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourish, flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him, in God. So we learn to eat from God, and we're learning to eat the butter and the honey, aren't we? We're learning the right way to go. We're getting the right food. We're producing fruit. And, and look, you have to examine your own life. Are you one that God would say, that's my son? That's my daughter. Christ can say is, that's my wife. Because they let me feed them, they've learned how to live the right way of life. They've learned to eat from me. Proverbs chapter 22. I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 22. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth. Oh, so those people that are twisting, wrestling with God's word, twisting and pulling people aside, God says, I'm going to cut them off from the earth. And the transgressor shall be rooted out of it. I have to say, where are my feet planted? Am I a transgressor? Do I follow every word of God? Or... Okay, I can do a little bit here, a little bit there. No. Because a little bit will, what? Destroy all the good. You cannot take the unclean and mix it with the clean and come out with clean. It's only going to be unclean. No matter how you turn it, it's going to be unclean. So if you're the wicked, it says, I'm going to be... You know, I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to uproot you. I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to burn you. That should be a good key to say, hey, I'm going to turn my foot. I'm going to find out how I can change my way. I want to be completely converted. I want to be completely changed. I want to look like Christ. I want to walk like Christ. I want to act like Christ. I want to eat what Christ feeds me. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, verse 17. Ephesians 3, 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So this is where I want to eat. I want Christ to dwell in me. Through faith. Through trusting Him. 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, and what is love? God. God is love, says it in 1 John. God is love. So we want to be rooted and grounded in God. May, uh, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with the, all the fullness of God. That's where we want to be. We want to be filled to the fullness of God. Once that happens, once you are living like God, eating what God feeds, knowing the good, knowing the right, knowing the pure, you won't have anything to do with the unclean. You won't be, have anything to do with the tell you what, I've got a secret to tell you. God's cheating on you. Well, no, you won't listen to that, will you? You say, get out of here. Let Christ take care of you. And we know he will, because Satan's going to be put in a place where he'll be taken away. So where are you grounded? Colossians 2, 7 and 8. Colossians 2, 7 and 8. Root, rooted and built upon him, who? Built upon Christ, and established in the faith, as you have been taught abundantly therein with thanksgiving. You know, I give thanks. Daryl gives thanks. All of you can give thanks to God for everything you have. Can you really thank God for teaching you to walk the right path. Can you really say thank you for teaching me all about honey and butter, the good way of life, the right way of life? I don't want to even hear that other stuff. I don't want to even look at it. I don't want to be a part of it because what you've offered us is so much better. Why would you want to turn around and go the other way? You don't. You just don't want to do that. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy. So here he's saying, you want to go the right way, but he said, be careful. Take note. A little leaven will destroy you. He said, a little bit of arsenic, oh, over a long period of time, will kill you. <laughs> it'll only make you sick right away, but over a period of time, it'll kill you. Just a little bit of lanate, and if you don't know what lanate is, it's so poisonous that just a drop, and you might as well kiss it goodbye because you're gone. Just a little bit. So he says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophies and vain deceit. Sometimes what they have is they're vain. I'm so good. I know all these things, and you just really need to listen to what I have to say. Don't worry about it. I know the answers. Through vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. So we've got both sides there. What they teach is what? Same thing Satan taught. It's 
death. It's not after Christ, which is life. So here we sit. We live in a world, a world filled with, isn't this a nice way to be? Look at how easy it is. You can go any place and eat anything, do anything, everything belongs to you anyway. And yet we live in this world that God says, come out of her, my people. So he's selected us. He selected those people that are in the church of God. No matter where they are, God selected you and put you there. He sent out the calling. Maybe we're not all together right now. Maybe we don't all have the, the, the finest details marked, but we're still in the body of Christ. And when Christ is ready and he brings the two witnesses to the scene, if you've tasted the butter and the honey, you will come where Christ brings you. And I don't care what group we sit we're in, but it is up to Christ to do that. James chapter 4 says, James chapter 4, 4, verse 4, You adulterer and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of this world is the enemy of God? He said, if you're friends with, you can't be both. You can't eat of God's way of life and the way of the world. Because if you're friends at all with the world's way of life, their entertainment, their dress, any of this stuff, if you're friends with that, then you're an enemy of God. They don't want to be an enemy of God. They don't want to be on that side. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? But he gives more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resists the proud. I resist those people that think I am so great and I'm only here because of my abilities, my background, my personality, my look. You know, that's proud, vain attitudes. God says, I resist those people. I resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. The person that is humble and willing to go the extra mile. How about each one of us? If we were asked to go the extra mile by a friend, would we go? Maybe. But if we're asked to go the extra mile by Christ, will we go? Will we give up everything? Will we eat only from Christ's table? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. I mean, that... Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to resist some of those things that come down the line to us in this world today. It's hard to say, mm, maybe I won't do that. Maybe that'll be okay right now. Maybe that little bit, I can get by. Besides, Daryl won't see me. <laughs> I've got my door shut and my window shades down. Daryl won't see what's going on in my... Why were you worried about a man? 
Because God says, I don't care where you are. You can be in the farthest parts of space, under the earth, or in the bottom of the ocean. Because I see you anyway. I even know your thoughts. He might hide your thoughts from another person, but he says, I know them. You can't hide from me. But we try, don't we? All we have to do is maybe say the minister don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I can get by then. God gives grace to the humble the person that's willing to just humble himself in front of God and go, whatever you say, Father, whatever it is, I will do it. He said, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and the devil will leave you. If you, if you resist those pools, and I don't care whether what they are, theft, lying, adultery, uh, idolatry, uh, whatever it is, lust, if you resist those things, God says, Satan will leave you alone. He will leave you alone. Draw close to God, and he will draw very close to you. Cleanse your hands, and you, you sinners, and purify your hearts, and stop being double-minded. Stop thinking you can live both sides of the fence. I told you talking to Saul this morning. I said, you know, it's like you're standing out here one foot in the grave, another on a banana peel. You want to be with Satan, which is the grave, and in God's way of life, except that you're standing on a banana peel on a slick, slanted floor. You think you're going to stand up very long? No, you're going to slide the wrong direction. You can't, you cannot be both places. You cannot eat of this world and God's way of life. There's no way around it. If you're either going one way or the other. You know, it's like you, they say, you train, you train your children. If you don't train your children to respect authority, respect adults, respect God, then you have trained them to disrespect authority, disrespect the parents, and disrespect God. It's, there's no two ways. You, you're either going to train them the right way or the wrong way. This is the way it comes. So if you resist Satan, he's going to leave you. If you stay with him, he'll stay with you, and God will leave you. So you have you have a choice, a, a pattern. In Proverbs 22, verse 24 says, Make no friendship with an angry man. You think Satan is happy? He knows time's fleeing. Satan's angry. And he's going to become angrier the closer we come. And when the time comes for God's children to go to a place of safety, he's going to be so angry, he's going to cast a whole army out to capture him. But God said, don't worry about it. You love me. You've tasted the good way of life. You want to stay in that good way of life. I'll take care of it. And he'll turn around and go out as an angry being to those that just were wanting to sample bits and pieces of the wrong way of life. He says here in Proverbs, have no friendship with an angry man. We're told not to have friendship 
with Satan's way of life. And with a fierce man, you shall not go. Again, Satan fits the pattern. You don't want to go that direction. Lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. So again, we're talking about learning the wrong way of life. Eating the wrong food. Be not you one of them that strikes hands or of them that are surety for debts. So we're given a lot of good commands. We're given a lot of information on how to eat right or wrong. There's only two ways of life. Mr. Armstrong used to say it's the way of give and a way of get. But it's the way of yeah, get for me, get me happy, me joyous, uh, to, to live in this beautiful way of life and have it easy until the final days. And then it's not going to be easy. It might only be three and a half years, but we don't know what rough life is like until those three and a half years come along. Judgment is on us today. Are we willing to eat from the table of God or the table of Satan? That's the question. That's where we come down to. You can eat a little bit of poison and might live just get sick. You can eat a lot of poison, guaranteed you'll die. You can eat the white sugars and the white flowers and drink the Cokes and do all this stuff of the world, and you'll get sick. You can also eat of this word. This can be your way of life. You can eat this on a daily basis. You know, I thought, I think I've said this before, a tithe of, of our time to God, 24 hours, 2.4 hours a day in God's way of life, you know what? You'll learn what's good, what's right, what's just, and you'll also know not to take the things of this world. Where do you stand? What's the diet? that you got set in front of you. Physically, oh, it might be bad. I, I like the movies, and I like the Cokes, and I like the uh, almost hamburgers, you know. Or do you really like God's way of life? Are you willing to give up everything of this world to learn what's good, right, wholesome? It's on you. Where do you stand?